0: Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Warlines Radio. I'm your host Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host Nick Polak. Nick, what's going on?
1: Nothing much. I got—I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty concerned. To—I you know, really don't see how um, Sam Sessoms is going to deal with Colin Gillespie in this one. I—I uh, I mean, there's a lot working against Penn State in this game.
0: So I have some news for you. T- tell me more. Wrong sport oh oh okay oh well this will be easy then well i i wouldn't go so far as to necessarily say this game is going to be easy uh despite the fact that penn state should absolutely win it of course this week uh the nittany lions are taking on the villanova wildcats uh it's a game that i think a lot of people nick have wanted to see in the world of basketball uh for a while especially when pat chambers is at the helm of the nittany lions but uh you know, I mentioned this on the pod I did with Ryan Fannin. Like, I, I'm weirdly excited for this game.
1: Um, sure. I j- j- can't just like, necessarily say I agree. But So
0: so let me rephrase. I'm not excited about, like, what I think is going to happen on the football field because I think Penn State is going to win comfortably. What makes me excited is that, like, it's just cool that Penn State and Villanova are playing something in a sport, because it's always cool when two um, when two big schools in Pennsylvania uh, play each other in something, uh, which is a bit of a funny take coming from me because I don't necessarily think Penn State needs to play Pitt every year.
1: I mean, yeah, it, and I guess in that regard, it's interesting enough. I just I am very much on the. FBS teams should not play FCS teams train. That's fair. Um, I mean, I, I am happy for Villanova. Like this will be a fun experience for that football team to come play in Beaver stadium and get to experience that. I mean, it's probably not going to be that fun actually playing against Penn state, but in that regard, yeah, it's cool. But I, I very much believe that FBS teams should only play FBS teams.
0: I, I, I think that is very much a reasonable take with, uh, the only exception being that one really bad FC, FBS team should play, like, a really, really good FCS team. So, like, just because it's always funny to me when, you know, some hapless team schedules North Dakota State or something, and then the buffs go in there and whoop up on them. Or I mean, uh, if
1: you want to pivot and spend this podcast talking about a proposed relegation system, I'm here woo! for it.
0: Let's go. Uh, But uh, actually, I I do want to take that back. There is one exception. Uh, I want more games between uh, the University of Washington and Montana because it was really funny the last time that happened. Sure, Uh, sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, we won't spend any more time talking about a game uh, where an offense uh, led by John Donovan scored seven points against an FCS team. Uh, Because, Nick, before we get into the Villanova game, I want to ask, I didn't have you on uh the post Auburn show we had uh Matt Filippovitz on after that one so I want to just get your thoughts on uh Penn State's win over Auburn what did you like what did you maybe dislike what were your kind of broad overarching thoughts all the all uh all those things that we normally pack into one full podcast but I'm instead gonna ask you to do in two minutes
1: yeah I thought it was a good win I thought it was a great win just for perception of Penn State I thought it was great to get a win in that environment in the whiteout Um, Just seeing the whiteout again was awesome. It was definitely a, oh, now college football is actually back kind of moment for sure. Um, Offensively, I mean, I wrote about this a lot this week, but I, I loved what Sean Clifford did. But more importantly, I loved what Mike Yurcich did calling the plays. I thought this was a geniusly called offensive football game on Penn State's side. I... Would I have liked to see Noah Cain and John Lovett and Kayvon Lee get more going on the ground? Sure. But Auburn also loaded up the box to stop that. So Sean Clifford and Juricich did exactly what they were supposed to do, and he beat them through the air. Uh, Defensively, I continue to think that this is probably one of the five best defenses in the country. This is a very, very good defensive football team, and it's really it, they're doing it at all three levels. The defensive line has been great, even though I know they didn't get any sacks on Bo Nix, but they were close a couple times and uh, they still pressured the pocket plenty of times on Saturday. The linebackers I thought have been very good. I thought Brandon Smith was great, even though he dropped that pick six. And obviously the secondary has been fantastic. Um, I I think this is a really, really good Penn State team. And I think they showed it on Saturday. And I think one of the most interesting things about it for me is that the, it this team, the way they're doing it looks so different from what they've done in the past. We have not seen a Penn State team rotate as seldomly as this one does, especially at the wide receiver and linebacker and defensive line spots, even offensive line. We typically see more of that. I know part of that is the opponents. They've had to play two ranked teams in Wisconsin and Auburn to open the air. So that makes a big difference. And I expect we'll see a lot of backups against Villanova on Saturday. But... Just an interesting interesting thing to watch and kind of keep tracking as the season goes on, because the rest of the schedule is not going to get any, any easier. There very truly does not appear to be a bad football team in the Big Ten East this year. Even Rutgers and Maryland look pretty solid. So it's that's going to be fun to watch. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a great, great game by Penn State. A lot of fun to watch. Really enjoyed it.
0: I mean, Ohio State's in the Big Ten East, so there's at least one bad team.
1: Mm, yes, this is true. <laughs> uh,
0: God, Someone's going to get mad at me for that. I don't know who it's going to be, but uh, no, if you did get mad about that. You fell into my trap. Uh, there is one thing I did want to ask you about. Uh, you mentioned some of the stuff you were on the site, and you mentioned uh, the way Mike Yuricich called the game and Sean Clifford played. Uh, one thing you wrote uh, titled the Sean Clifford and Mike Yuricich combination has been a match made in heaven. Uh, again, I'm not going to ask you to like – go into the minutiae, go into every little thing you wrote, but can you kind of give your uh, baseline thoughts, uh, again, through three games, we'll do something uh, perhaps next week about this in a little more depth. Just what was it about Sean Clifford's performance, really this entire first quarter of the season, and especially against Auburn, and the way Mike Juricich calls games that make them such a good match for one another?
1: Yeah, I think it's just Mike Juricich has the very clear understanding of how to put his quarterback in a position to win football games and be most successful. I think that over time, I think I think if Kirk, Sir, Kirk Siraca, sure, Jesus, Kirk Siraca was still here, I think this offense would be much improved over last year's team, but that offense was much more, here's the scheme, fit yourself into it, whereas Juricich seems to be a lot more, I'm going to make the best. I'm going to make lemonade out of the lemons that I have in front of me. And you've it's been very clear to see through. I'm going to ignore the ball state game. I'm just going to talk about Wisconsin and Auburn. It's been very clear to see that that's the case because they're doing it in different ways. Against Wisconsin, they really really focused on those bubble screens, those quick passes out wide and then using those to set up the deep shots over the top. And it worked perfectly against Wisconsin. They really burned they should have burned a very good secondary multiple times for very long scores. And then against Auburn, they you know, they didn't really allow them to do that much. They as they still they still popped the bubble screens out there and had some nice completions and nice pickups on those, especially to Calendar Lambert Smith. But they used it in different ways. Instead of trying to use those plays to set up the deep shots, they used it to set up the tight ends running free down the field, where previously they had really only been blockers in those cases. And then we also saw them use it to set up easy, very completable passes over the middle of the field within like that you know, 1 to 13-yard range that when you're throwing those balls to guys like Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson, more often than not, they're going to be able to add 5 or 6 yards onto the end of the catch. So the thing that's been most impressive for me about this partnership is just that Yursich has a very clearly has a very good understanding of what Sean Clifford can do and can't do. And for as much as we heard from Clifford last year about oh well usually takes like usually takes one long run or one good hit to get me get me kind of going in the flow of the game. That hasn't been the case this year, and I think it's because they've been focusing on his arm. For as great of a runner as Sean Clifford can be, the best thing he does as a quarterback is throw the ball. He's got a strong arm, and when he's focused in and dialed in like we've seen, he can be an accurate quarterback. He has that within him. So to me, the best the best part about their partnership is that Jursich just has a very good understanding of what he can do, and he's giving him chances to do those things that he is able to.
0: Yeah, if y- if y'all were to go to the site and look at uh, Sean Clifford's passing chart from this game specifically, which Nick uh, documents every week, I, he didn't complete a pass more than 23 yards, uh, but having said that, he only attempted two passes that were longer than 23 yards. One was uh, an incompletion and one was uh, that arm punt uh, to end the first half, I think is The best way to describe it, he ends up getting wrecked and he's just kind of throwing up a jump ball. So it's been really interesting watching all of that. And I think it's going to be really interesting watching how Penn State's offense, Penn State's entire team, but particularly its offense, plays against Villanova, which leads us into this week's game. Uh, There is no Vegas uh, spread. Real, real quick before you jump on, just to
1: add on to the passing chart super quickly. Um, I think it's also important to keep in mind that yes, the, the passing chart shows you where the pass was completed. A lot of these passes, if Clifford's throwing the ball to Brenton strange nine yards down the field, but he has 20 yards of open space mm-hmm. in front of him, that's just as good as a 29 yard throw, if not better, because it's more completable. So I, I, the passing chart is great. That is true. Uh, the chart is great, but it does leave a little bit of the story untold, um, and just because it's all short passes doesn't mean that they weren't passes that, you know, could have been longer.
0: They just weren't in that case. But but see, I'm happy you do it that way because, like, I think it shows more of how they are trying to use Sean Clifford or how they would try to use Trace McSorley or how they will try to use Drew Aller or Dequan Roberson or whomever else because – if you're charting just by where the passes end up, like you're doing the quarterback a disservice almost by not showing where they want them putting the football and highlighting the fact that like, listen, Sean Clifford did a sensational job throwing the football within 20 some odd yards. So I, I am glad you do that, but I'm also glad that you mentioned that. Uh, and at the, now I think it's time to just move on to Penn state's game against Villanova, a uh, noon kick on BTN. Like I mentioned, There is no, uh, point spread that i could find uh nick were you like do you know if there is one out there for this or is this I one i
1: believe that... i believe at one point i saw i thought it opened at 29 i think we i thought we put that on the site actually
0: that makes um, sense i mean i'm going off of just like espn's um you know where okay yeah 20 their scoreboard okay so penn state are 29-point favorites against the mighty Villanova Wildcats. It's actually moved up now that I've found it uh, to 31-and-a-half. Uh, uh, but having said that, Villanova is a very, very good team at the FCS level. Like we discussed on the interview we did with Ryan Fannin, the voice of Villanova Athletics, the Wildcats are 11th in FCS, uh, beat up on Lehigh and Bucknell to start their seasons before winning a very competitive game in comeback fashion. I guess another good FCS team uh, in Richmond. The team is number 125 in Sagarin, and uh, like we mentioned on their Ball State, uh, who Penn State beat earlier this year, is number 108 in Sagarin. So this is a very, very good FCS program. They're sixth in FCS SP Plus, number three on offense, and number 23 on defense. Nick, uh, just heading into this one, you kind of touched on this at the very beginning when you talked about how you don't always love uh, that FCS teams and FBS teams are able to play games against one another. but do you have any like big overarching thoughts on this game before we break things down on both sides of the ball?
1: Um, not particularly. I think just, I think the reason that I don't love the matchups is just because I, you know, in 99 out of a hundred times, they just don't end up being terribly competitive for really uh, for a lot of reasons but the main one being the difference in the trenches is just really tough for FCS
0: teams to overcome. I did the thing where I was talking with my mic muted. Uh yeah, like you mentioned there's there is talent on this Villanova team. There is plenty of talent on this Villanova team and they're a well-coached group and I think they're going to come in with a bit of a chip on their shoulders and they're going to Like you said, 99 times out of 100, there's a huge difference. And I agree with you on that. That one time is terrifying. Um, And I'm inclined to say Penn State won't be that one time, even though James Franklin did earlier this week. List off every FBS program that lost to an FCS program so far this year. Uh, I think it's something like six or seven, something in that ballpark. So, There's always going to be that risk, but I'm not particularly worried. Let's look at this game, Nick, on both sides of the football. Villanova, like we mentioned, has one of the more potent offenses at that level, while Penn State's defense is one of the best defenses at that level. What thing or things are you going to be looking out for when Penn State's defense is out there on the field?
1: So I think the main thing with Villanova is that they're going to want to win and they're going to try to score by throwing the football. That's going to be, you know, and for any FC, for any FCS team against FBS team, that is the path of least resistance. Again, given the difference in uh, the offensive lines and defensive lines, just pure size wise. Um, so for me, I, I'm looking for the Penn state secondary to get a chance to win some one-on-one battles, maybe get a couple takeaways if they can. Uh, I'd like to see Arnold Ebicchetti and the rest of the front, the the starters on the defensive line, get into the pocket and maybe get a sack or two. Um, But, you know, I, I think the more interesting thing to me is I, so spoiler, I do think Penn state wins this game very comfortably. I'm really excited to watch guys like Kalen King and Johnny Dixon get a large number of snaps, because as we talked about, we haven't seen as much rotation. Now Kalen King is one of the guys that has gotten into the rotation a fair bit, but we haven't seen as much rotation and as many of the young guys as we normally see at this point in the season. So there's going to be a lot of really, really talented football players that are going to be really hungry to show that they can make an impact. Because really, this is the last chance. Barring injuries, this is the last like aud- last live game audition to prove that you should be playing as they get into the meat of the Big Ten schedule. So I'm most interested to watch guys like King and Dixon and uh Hardy I think will still play a good bit um and maybe some of the young safeties like Reed and um uh Tyler Rudolph back I'm excited to see them against what is a you know a formidable enough passing attack
0: Yeah and the the thing with Villanova's offense is they have a they have a quarterback uh in Dan Smith no relation to our Dan Smith I believe uh who has been a really productive player he's a believe he's a fifth year senior, which I I think that's something that will probably help to the extent that like I don't think he's going to go out there and try way too hard and end up forcing things and leading to anything catastrophic. Uh they have some really good skill position players too. Uh their top running back Justin Covington, 44 carries this year, 307 yards, uh two touchdowns at seven yards an attempt. So I agree with you. Uh, I'm excited to see a lot of the guys that I think James Franklin and Brent Pry are going to try and work into this. Uh, but I'm also excited to see what happens in the moment. Because I think Villanova is going to be able to get off a big player too. I think they just have guys who have been there, guys who have been around, guys who know what they're doing out there. And there's going to be one or two occasions here where, you know, you think back to last week. Penn State allowed a big play or two, and it seemed like Auburn was able to kind of get a snowballing effect off of that. I'm excited to see what happens if Covington breaks off a 50-yard run and Smith breaks off, Smith finds uh, Jerron Hayek or Rajon Pringle or something like that for a big passing play, especially if it's against one of these younger dudes who hasn't gotten – some of these younger dudes who haven't gotten as much run out there. I mean, in a game like this, what you are ultimately hoping for and you are ultimately looking for – is that you can play your twos and your threes and maybe even your fours a little bit longer than you normally get the opportunity to. I think Penn State's going to be afforded that opportunity, and I hope they are afforded that opportunity against a Villanova team that is going to have their top guys out there. I mean, kind of complicating this is their next game is against James Madison – Maybe there is a realm of possibility where this gets out of hand early and they decide, listen, we just can't risk anyone getting hurt or getting suspended or anything like that for the game against JMU. But I basically agree, but I also think Villanova is going to have one or two things up its collective sleeve that might put Penn State on the ropes a bit on occasion. And we know how Joey Porter Jr., Jaquan Brisker, Ellis Brooks, P.J. Muscle, Taquan. Uh, Tariq Castro feels like all those guys respond to that stuff. So I'm excited to see what the young guys do against it. And on the other side of the football, I mean, this is the weaker of Villanova's two units out there. Um, I'm not, Nick, if you wanted to say you're excited to see Taquan Roberson and the backup offense, I'm not going to let you say that. Uh, What other thing or things do you want to see out of Penn State's offense in this game?
1: Well, I don't think it really comes down to what I want to see necessarily. I think it's what we're going to see, and what we're going to see is a lot of running the football, which you know is fine. I think we're going to see a lot of John Lovett early. I think we're going to see very, very little Noah Kane, um, maybe a little bit of Kevon Lee, but I think it's going to be a healthy dose of John Lovett um, and give him a chance to continue to get acclimated back into the game so he can be ready to go as a full-time weapon against uh, Indiana and Iowa after that. So that that's I mean, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting to see a lot of a lot of him. I'm expecting to see Devin Ford and Keziah Holmes get a good a good number of chances there, too. Um, I mean, that's yeah. So it's for me, the question isn't really what I want to see. It's what we're going to see. And I think we're going to see that. I think when the second team offense does get in, I'm excited to see some of the younger receivers maybe get some get some passes thrown their way, like Liam Clifford and Trey Wallace and all those guys. But yeah, I mean. It's not going to be terribly exciting, I don't think, but um, I also want to see the offensive line get a little push in the run game as well. I, I don't think what happens in this game is necessarily a barometer of what we will see going forward, but it would be nice to see
0: that anyway. So what I'll say to kind of take something that you said and run with it a little bit, do you know where Penn State ranks in the Big Ten in rushing yards per game?
1: Uh, I'm sure in the bottom fourth, at
0: least. They are in the bottom fourth. They are uh, 13th out of 14 teams in the conference. Penn State runs for 124.7 yards uh, per game. The only team below them is Purdue, which runs for exactly 14 fewer yards per game. Uh, Rushing touchdowns, they're a little bit higher up the list you know, cause they like to punch it in, but I, that's what I want to see. Like, it's funny. It's gotten to a point where I'm not particularly worried about the passing offense, which I thought was going to be the case. And I'm a little bit more worried about the running offense, which I absolutely did not think was going to be the case. Cause I figured that with the number of guys that Penn state has in its backfield and the profiles of the dudes they have on the offensive line, we'd see a really potent Penn state rushing attack. So you mentioned you don't, I think we see a ton of Noah Kane. I'd like to see a little bit more than that, probably. Uh, he's on 3.4 yards per carry this season. I know he's capable of doing better than that. Uh, Kayvon Lee's at 79 yards on the year. Devin Ford's at 33. John Lovett is at nine. I think we're going to, if I had to guess, we're going to see a pretty decent amount of John Lovett. But the fact that Villanova is going to come out there running that 3-3-5 defense that uh, Ryan Fannon told us about, I think it's just going to be ripe for Sean Clifford to throw the ball 10, 15 times and to just ride this stable of running backs over and over again. Let Noah Cade get into the rhythm on the ground that he hasn't quite had outside of that last drive against Wisconsin. Let uh, Kayvon Wee, who has a bit of a fumbling problem, get a little bit more comfortable maybe running with two hands on the ball or adjusting his running style so it's not as easy to punch the ball out. Guys like Devin Ford and John Law that haven't really gotten chances to try and pop off in this offense. And I want to see them get that. And maybe even Kaziah Holmes, if he's able uh, to get on the field too. So I think if Sean Clifford throws more than 15 passes, I'll probably be upset. Uh, If they want to run the air raid when Taquan Roberson comes in, if Taquan Roberson comes in, I I should be uh, careful to stress that. Uh, That's what I would like to see it at that point, but I really want them to use this game to uh, unless absolutely necessary, give Sean Clifford as much of a game off as you can give him without actually putting him on the sideline. Uh, Nick, it's time for the dumbest version of fill in the blank that we have ever played on the edition, this edition of the podcast. Uh, I almost want to skip the first one, which is Penn state wins this game. If blank, because the answer is so very obvious, uh, but Penn state wins this game. If blank,
1: they don't suffer a cascade of injuries that knocks out the entire starting unit.
0: Yeah. I was going to say everyone gets food poisoning at the exact same time. and They have to play the walk-ons, but that works too. Uh, now the far more fun one. Now let's, uh, let's really get creative with this and let our minds wander. Villanova wins this game. If blank. COVID. Oh, that's boring.
1: <laughs> I, I, I I really, I, I don't have a good answer for you. I, if, all right, here, let's go with this. If Penn state goes up three scores early in the game, ride it out. Second team offense, third team offense, backup defenses, whatever kind of coast. Don't really add on. They let Villanova get within you know 10 points. Towards the end of the game, they bring the starters back in. They've been sitting on the bench too long. They're cold. Villanova goes back out, ties it up, takes a late lead on a field goal. Sure.
0: There you go. There's your path. Yeah. I mean, it's basically a mix of Penn State wholly underestimates Villanova. Every Villanova player has the game of their life. And like every single bounce goes in Villanova's direction. Uh, Like, I don't think this is going to be one of those games where, we look up at halftime and Penn state is up 42 to nothing. Um, but I also don't think it's going to be one of those games where like it's halftime and it's 10 to seven. And we're wondering if something is wrong with this Penn state team. Like, I think this ends up being one of those games where Penn state's in, you know, kind of like the ball state game, Penn state is in control from start to finish, uh, Maybe they don't pour it on until a little bit later in the game. Like I mean, even that one is at 24 to 6 at halftime. So you know that's kind of not right. But also like if the score is something in that vicinity, like at halftime, I wouldn't be totally shocked. But for me, Nick, Penn State's entering this one as 31 and a half point favorites. Uh total on that bad boy is 54 and a half. Uh Our pal Bill Connolly's SP plus projection on this one is uh, probably a projected margin of 25.3, 25 points for Penn State, 38 to 13. So uh, a little bit closer than Las Vegas thinks this is going to be. Uh, Where what are you thinking on this one? What do you think on that about that number of 31 and a half and uh, that total of 54 and a half? I think
1: this one ends up being like forty-eight, thirteen, Penn State. So, I feel like that is a, probably a pretty fair number for the spread then, right? 48 minus 13, that gets you at 30 35. Yeah, so I think it's
0: a pretty good number. Um That yeah, that uh, I, I, that I, ability to do math in his head is why Nick used to teach children, everyone.
1: And this is why I currently design curriculum for an online math program. There we go. Um, yeah, so I that that's what I think uh, yeah, 48-13. I, I just don't think... I, like, if Penn State wasn't such a good... Like, if Penn State had been getting by to this point with just, like just surviving on defense, then I might be more inclined to say this is closer. But really, to this point, Penn State has been winning because their defense has been outstanding and their offense has done enough to this point. Like, I wouldn't say the Penn State offense right now is humming, per se, um, so that, I mean, that alone, when you're playing the FCS team, I think the games where the FCS teams really have a good chance at it is when the opposing team doesn't have as strong of a defensive front, you know, of course that, that goes against why Montana beat Washington, but you know, yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. In the end, I just, I don't think this is all that competitive really. I think. The backups get a chance to really go out there and run the full offense, so I think the scoring is pretty consistent throughout the game so yep forty eight thirteen
0: I think something in that vicinity too I don't think James Franklin is going to go out there and you know want to run the score up like it's d j Durkins, Maryland, or anything like that, but I think something in the vicinity of forty two to ten I would say which i uh w- which yeah would put us right around. Uh, right around the total. I it means Villanova would just no Penn State would just barely uh cover in that situation. That'd be so, 32 points and 52 total. There we go. So uh, I yeah, I mean, I, I think you make a really good point where like I don't uh, it, it's funny. I don't think Penn State's offense is humming in the way we normally define it, but for a team three weeks into a new offensive coordinator that has played auburn and uh wisconsin in two of its first three games i think this is about as good as we could have anticipated uh, and then penn state penn state's defense just seems like it has too much pride to suffer the kind of like let down that would be necessary in this kind of game so like i think villanova's going to come out they're going to be really competitive they're going to They're going to try and take the game to Penn State, but, you know, I said to Ryan that I think the way that the FCS team wins in these situations is not that it comes out and goes, we're just going to to play them off the field from the beginning. We're going to this, we're going to that. I think the way that the FCS team wins in these games is you linger, you linger, you linger until you get to the point where the fourth quarter is starting the score is 21 to 20 and the FCS team is driving and the FBS team finds itself in a position where it's going, Oh, you know what? We might actually lose it. Like that sense of doubt starts creeping in. I just don't think this Penn state team is wired to let doubt creep in. So ultimately I think it has the potential to be uh, a game where we learn a decent amount about some Penn state players, but it's mostly the guys that, uh haven't really gotten the opportunities to get onto the field yet and we can see what what whether or not they meet the projection start meet are on the path to meet the projections that we have for them uh nick any any final thoughts on this game before we head into uh the world of the big 10 this week
1: no but i do want to briefly talk about something very very off topic yeah Um, let's do it were you aware that there's a super mario bros movie
0: yeah, Chris, in- Chris, Chris, Chris P- Pratt is playing Mario.
1: Oh, okay, well, you kind of ruined it. I was going to ask you, have did you look at the rest of the cast?
0: Uh, I, I saw Anya Taylor Joy and Charlie Day are in it. Uh, it's uh, it's right here. Oh, Keegan Keegan Michael Key is Toad. That's uh, that's a <sighs> weird one.
1: Well, you're ruining my game. I was going to ask you to like pick which actor do you think should voice these characters, but
0: that's yeah, okay. Ke- Keegan as Toad doesn't seem to really work for me i mean a lot well, of these chris do-
1: pratt as mario doesn't yeah. seem to work right
0: right you you need an italian in that role and you need you need an italian in a lot more of these roles but uh yeah chris
1: yeah. pratt is from walla walla washington that's the opposite of italian
0: yeah exactly but uh yeah i'm, I'm sure that movie will be very stupid uh yeah i like seth, like seth
1: rogan as donkey kong
0: yeah i think he'll I, I think that that will be fun, yes. Uh, I'll, Jack I'll, Black I'll, as Bowser is also very weird. Yeah, that one I don't like nearly as much. I feel like Bowser has to, like... Bowser has to be one of those characters that is so serious that you laugh at how serious it is taking being in a Mario movie, but, like, I, I you know, I, I, I don't know anything about anything, so maybe I'm incorrect here.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, let's talk... Big 10 uh, starts off with uh, to quote Jim Ross, a slobber knocker to start this week, uh, noon kick on Fox from soldier field in Chicago, Illinois, the 12th ranked Notre Dame fighting Irish against the 18th ranked Wisconsin Badgers. Nick, Wisconsin is a six and a half point favorite here with an over under of 45. I, <sighs> I don't know uh, if I trust Wisconsin to win this game, let alone win this game by six and a half points. Uh, But I also don't know if I trust Notre Dame to win this game. So what are you thinking?
1: My opinions on this game are that Notre Dame will cover the spread and that the under will hit. As far as who actually wins, I don't know. Uh, I I still don't really feel like we know a ton about Wisconsin. I think this, this week will be far more enlightening. I think... It'll also give us an even better sense of how good Penn State's defense is. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean they've only they've they've only played two games, and it's tough to draw too many conclusions from that i I do think there's a little bit of Notre Dame devaluation happening i I know they haven't been terribly impressive, but there's still a lot of talent there, so I don't know. I don't know who wins, but I'm pretty sure it's within six and a half points or five and a half points. I think it was earlier. Um, and I'm very positive at the under hits.
0: See, here's my thing. Like you just said that, but uh, about Notre Dame devaluation, but like there's a non-zero chance they might be real fraudulent. Um, I, yeah, I don't, totally. That right, So far this season, Notre Dame uh, scraped by, against a Florida State team that would go on to lose to, I think, Jacksonville State the following week and then scraped by against Toledo uh, before beating Purdue, which... I do think it's worth mentioning Purdue was sapped with some of their powers because they were not allowed to bring the big drum to South Bend. So I actually, I actually do think we're going to learn a lot in this game, especially about Notre Dame uh, and just how good they are. I do agree with your point on Penn State's defense and how we'll be able to start piecing together how good that unit is. But uh, do you know who Notre Dame plays next week, Nick? Uh, no. They're playing America's team, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, oh, wow. And I expect Cincinnati to whoop up on them, and that's going to be really funny.
1: That's going to be very interesting. That is a really tough back-to-back yeah. of defenses for them right, to go
0: up against. Because Wisconsin's going to push them around a bit, and then Cincinnati, like Cincinnati's number one goal in all football games is just go out there and kick your ass physically. So like that'll be a... I I actually think, God, yeah, because Penn State Indiana is a night game. I might just be able to throw that one of the first scream and like, you know, maybe maybe open up some, open up a really good beer and just enjoy watching what this Cincinnati defense is going to do to to a uh, Jack Cones Notre Dame Fighting Irish.
1: That's like the leveled up version of this. Like Notre Dame
0: Wisconsin is not going to be fun to watch.
1: No. Notre Dame Cincinnati should be pretty fun to watch.
0: I agree. What might not be fun to watch, though, noon kick on ESPNU from TCF, uh, Tariq Castro Field, Banks Stadium in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, Minnesota is a 31 and a half point favorite against Bowling Green over under a 51. Nick, I might accident. No, it's on ESPNU, so I might not even accidentally end up on this game.
1: No, I won't. I definitely won't watch this. Um, Minnesota has. Yeah, they've been pretty good. They've been able to keep the run game afloat even without Mo Ibrahim, which is a good sign for them. And their mm-hmm. defense has been solid. I know that they haven't really played anybody. I forgot who their week, who are their week two and three games against?
0: Uh, Minnesota two weeks ago played Miami of Ohio and won 31 to 26. Uh, and then last week went to Boulder to play Colorado and won 30 to right.
1: Yeah, so you know, not really much in the way of resistance, but uh, I'm still not in, I'm still not sold on Minnesota not finishing the year towards the bottom of the Big Ten West, but I think they've been a little better than I expected so far.
0: Yeah, I I, I think I'd agree with that. Like I I fully expect them to win this game. Um, Nick, do you know what time it is? Ticket price. It's ticket price game. Noon kick on BTN from Ryan Field in Evanston, Illinois. Ohio is taking on a ticket price game uh, staple. The Northwestern Wildcats, Northwestern, 14.5 point favorites over under a 48-1. One, Nick, 14.5 for Northwestern against anyone is just Even though I know Ohio sucks. Let's be serious. Don't do that. Uh, But what do you think the cheapest ticket that you can get into this game for is?
1: They pay you $5 to come.
0: (laughs) Nick, that's not how that
1: works. (laughs) You get a free hot dog if you show up. There you go. That's how you Uh, finagle
0: your way into a profit. $2. $2 on the nose. Yeah, I I would pay two dollars to sit outside in Evanston. I think it's supposed to be a nice 70 degree day. So, like, listen, if if you are a Penn State fan and you live in uh, the greater Chicago area and you have nothing else to do before. Uh, yeah, if you have nothing else to do, you, you you know, you're fine with taking a week off from Penn State. DM me and I will buy you a two dollar ticket to the Northwestern Ohio football game. Uh, but otherwise, Nick, I don't care about this game a lick.
1: If you were told, if let's let's say you live in Chicago and you were told you can either pay five dollars to the city of Chicago or you have to go sit and watch this football game, what would you? Which would you do?
0: Sorry, the the dog was just jumping on me. What 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 was the uh, what were the choices again?
1: Would you basically? Would you rather go watch that game or pay five dollars? Like, would you pay money to not go to that game?
0: Well, let's game this. Are we assuming that you would not be eating that cost to like travel to get there and Because that's the thing. Like, two dollars to go to. Just
1: if you you pay, you don't pay five dollars. Someone snaps their fingers and you're in the stadium.
0: I mean, but th- yeah, then you're getting into like food and drinks and stuff like that. So like I'd probably, uh, if you were saying it is a $2 all expenses paid trip to Ryan Stadium, I would absolutely pay that because, again, it's going to be very nice outside. It was, if it was going to be like 31 and snowy and sleeting and that sort of thing, absolutely not. But I, I'd do it on a, on a lovely summer, on a lovely fall day in uh, Chicagoland. I think if
1: I had never been to the stadium before, I would. Otherwise, I think I would rather pay the $5 and get to stay at home and watch whatever game I want.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I, I think that's it. I mean, you can always leave at halftime, I'm sure. Uh, actually, no, I'm sure everyone would notice because there's going you are, to be You're forcing
1: after- me to define way too many rules for my hypothetical.
0: Yeah, yeah that's fine. 3.30 uh, p.m. Eastern time kick on FS1 from Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City, Iowa. Number 5th rank Hawkeyes play host to Colorado State. I was a 23 and a half point favorite with an over under of 44.5. Uh, Nick, I can see Iowa winning this game 44 to nothing and the under hitting, but Iowa covering that. Uh, but I can all but that is dependent on Iowa's defense scoring 28 of those points.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to look. Didn't they they won 30 to nothing last week if I remember correctly?
0: It was something in that ballpark. They won thirty to seven against Kent. Iowa so far this season. Thirty-four to six against Indiana, twenty-seven seventeen uh against Iowa State, thirty to seven against Kent State.
1: Yeah, I could very easily see this being like thirty to nothing. I yeah. I <laughs> it's a rare case where I would say lay the points, but also take the under. It doesn't happen a lot.
0: Yeah, that, that that sounds about right. I mean, Iowa has scored more than 24 points in every game they've played this season. Um, but I know their defense has a lot of heavy lifting. So uh, don't watch that game. It's going to be really bad. An actually kind of interesting game at 3.30 p.m. on ABC from Ann Arbor. The 19th ranked Michigan Wolverines against... The 3-0 fighting Scarlet Knights of Rutgers. Uh, over under a 49.5, Michigan's a 21-point favorite. Nick, I don't think this Rutgers team is particularly good, but I absolutely think they're the kind of team that is going to go into Ann Arbor, have a really good game plan, and like compete, compete their asses off. I don't think it'll be enough, but I feel like Michigan covering might be a big ask,
1: yeah, I think I agree with that i I'm really the only thing I want from this game. I want to see Rutgers force Michigan to throw the football. I just I want to see how Michigan's offense reacts when they can't just hand it off on every play um yeah i mean i I agree that I think Rutgers will go unprepared and I think they'll be competitive, but uh, that's it's a big ask to go into Ann Arbor and beat Michigan, which clearly clearly is functioning at a high level on the ground right now um and that's those are that's a tough team to beat when they're gonna run as effectively as they are so eh, yeah yeah twenty one points is a lot uh eh, man, I don't know, I might take Rutgers plus twenty one but I wouldn't feel good about it.
0: Yeah, Rutgers is also like a big-time, ain't-played-nobody team. Uh, Their games so far this year uh, are against Temple, Syracuse, and Delaware. Uh, And now they're about to go into a stretch of Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State. So uh, I'm not going to say the dream is about to die, uh, but they're about to enter far rockier waters. And, like, listen, maybe they get an upset somewhere in there. I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State. Uh, Michigan State's coming to uh, New Jersey, so maybe they can figure something out there. But like, yeah, this seems like a, seems like this might be a little bit too much for uh, the Shiano men to figure out. Even if, I, again, I do think they're going to come in there and they're going to put up a fight. Hey Nick, we're going to do a special version of the ticket price game. Uh, in that, this one is at Michigan Stadium. What do you think is the lowest ticket you can pay? Lowest price you can pay to get into this football game?
1: Um, thirty-five dollars.
0: Wow, twelve bucks.
1: Hmm. Wow.
0: I I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little surprised by that. I figured Michigan fans would be a little more fired up to watch their watch their boys play. Uh, three thirty p.m. on BTN from Ross Aid Stadium in West Lafayette, Indiana, Illinois. Taking on Purdue. Purdue are 11-point favorites over under a 53. Um, yeah, I just don't think Illinois is all that good. I think Purdue is probably not great either, but they're better than Illinois there at home, so whatever.
1: Yeah, I don't really know what to do with either of these teams. I think Jack Plummer's pretty good, and that's kind of all I got. So... I guess Purdue wins. Maybe they cover. I don't know. I wouldn't touch this game.
0: Nor would I. And uh, another game you should probably avoid at all costs. 3:30 p.m. Kick on BTN from Maryland Stadium in College Park. Kent State, fresh off of losing 30 to 7 to Iowa last week, is now heading to Maryland to take on the Terrapins, which are 14 and a half point favorites. Nick, the over/under in this one is 70 points
1: yeah, I think Maryland's being undervalued here. I think they're gonna smoke them. Like I think this is gonna be like 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 fifty one to fourteen, something like that. I think people are a little worried after Maryland barely survived against Illinois, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the, the benefit of the doubt there knowing that it was a was it a Thursday night game or a Friday night game? Whatever yeah, it was, something like that. It was a weekday game. Those are always weird. Like nine times out of ten, those are weird. So I'm willing to give him a pass after that. I, I think the offense is good enough to easily run away from uh, Kent State. I, I this was one of my easier bets to make this week. I think Maryland easily covers.
0: And here's the thing with Maryland, and it's why I agree with you. They win this week to go to four and zero. They want with style points, I think, because. Here is what the next month and a half – here's how the rest of their season goes, rather. Iowa at Ohio State, by at Minnesota, Indiana, Penn State, at Michigan State, Michigan, at Rutgers. They might win one game out of that. uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if they try to uh, go for some style points in this one before the – you know, before they actually have to start playing people. Um,
1: It is a brutal year to be Maryland, Rutgers, or Indiana in the Big Ten East.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about Indiana in a sec, and and next week on the podcast. Uh, But next up, a game that I am excited for, uh, because I think one of these teams is a little fraudulent, and I think the other team is extremely fraudulent. Uh, 7 p.m. kick on FS1 from Spartan Stadium in East Lansing. The a little fraudulent Michigan State Spartans against the all-time fraudulent Nebraska Cornhuskers. Michigan State five-point favorites over under of 52. Uh, Nick, again, I'm not a big believer in this Michigan State team, but I, I think this Nebraska team is just wretched. I like... They put up a really good fight against Oklahoma last week. I think it's possible they're in for quite the letdown.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think last week probably took a lot of emotional energy out of them. You know, storied rivalry, all that jazz. Um, like you said, I don't I, I don't think Michigan State is number 20 in the country good. I think that's a bit of a mirage at this point. I think we're going to end up finding out that uh, the Hurricanes are not a good football team when all is said and done. So, I think that win's going to get devalued quite a bit um yeah i mean it's it it's kind of the same stories with Michigan like I just i want to see what happens when Michigan State has to throw the football to win. I think peyton Peyton Thorne has been much better and had to do a lot more than Cade McNamara has for Michigan so far, but you know on paper, these teams are. Not that dissimilar. Nebraska's averaging 481 yards of offense a game. Michigan State's averaging 520. Uh, their Nebraska defense is allowing 347 a game, and Michigan State's allowing 381. I mean, that alone, Michigan allowing 381, that's a high number for Michigan State there. Um, I, I think that's a pretty good sign that things are going to come crashing down a bit at some point. I, I mean... Again, I don't feel great about it, but I think Michigan State covers this. I think Nebraska is garbage.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm inclined to uh, agree there. So, let me, Sparty's schedule after this, uh, Western Kentucky, I mean, things are setting up very nicely for Sparty to be undefeated when they play host to Michigan. Like, I can see this being a 9 Which three. would
1: be awesome, to be clear.
0: Oh, yes, and it's in East Lansing. So, like, there's there's part of me that thinks it's possible that Michigan State is a very unconvincing 10-0 heading into the last two weeks of the season, which is uh, at Ohio State and then home against Penn State. But we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Uh, speaking of Ohio State, 7.30 p.m. kick on BTN uh, from Ohio Stadium in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Ohio State against Akron. Buckeyes, 48 and a half point favorites over under of 66 and a half. Uh, Nick, a little twist in this game. Uh, CJ Stroud will not play. Uh, he will He's playing in emergency situations uh, due to a lingering shoulder shoulder issue. Uh, and Jack Miller and Kyle McCord will play center. Quinn Ewers, uh, the five-star true freshman, is just not ready to go for the folks in Columbus. Um, Uh, Can you also see uh, McCord or Miller torching Akron and it leading to a QB controversy in Columbus? Because I sure as hell can.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. Whether it should, I think, is a different story because it's
0: Akron. (laughs) (laughs) And also, like, CJ Stroud has been good. CJ Stroud has been good this season, and it's mm -hmm. Ohio State's poop-poop defense that's been letting them down
1: yeah Stroud's completed what just over sixty percent of his passes. I think he's just a hair under a thousand yards on the season already eight to three touchdown interception ratio. I mean, yeah, like you said, the Ohio State defense is allowing four hundred and seventy one yards per game against them. That is absurd for Ohio State for the talent they have back there. I so, 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 so badly want to take akron plus 48.5 because that is just a ridiculous number 48.5 points nearly a quarter or ne- sorry nearly half of 100 points that is so much but i also you can very easily see a scenario where ohio state wins this like 63 nothing yeah because... you you know better by this point yeah, because for as bad as that defense has been, you don't need to be that good to beat Akron. And, you know, their main problem has been that they're super athletic and super talented. They're just, they're not in the right spots at the right times right now. You don't really need to be in the right spot at the right time against Akron. You can just let athleticism take over. So, as much as I want to, I'm not going to touch this game personally. But boy, it's a funny, it's a really funny spread
0: to look at. Ryan Day, I know you listen to this podcast, uh, so listen to me. You should run one play all game, and it is the give the ball to Travion Henderson play. And I promise you, your life will be exponentially easier if you do that. Like Maybe Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are a little bit upset for a week. That's fine. The one thing, the only way anything bad can happen in this game for Ohio State that is not an injury is if Kyle McCord goes out there and just torches an Akron defense that I can probably torch with Ohio State's playmakers. Just to let Travion Henderson cook, you'll get the added bonus of letting Travion get some more carries. He's going to be a very good player. I'm already mad about what he's going to do to Penn State over the course of his career. Just like run the ball this week. You, you don't need to uh, do the passing thing. For a few days, I think everyone will be happy with that. Uh, hey, I don't you-
1: often, I don't often get mad about things that happen in recruiting because you know it's obviously you want. I I want Penn State to get talented kids, but there's only you know, like you just have to let it go at a certain point. There's too many variables to consider. I'm not sure I've ever been as upset about a recruitment and subsequent subsequent commitment. Than I was for Travion Henderson going to Ohio State because for a bit there in the early going, Penn State was kind of seen as the favorite for him. And I have I I'm not sure I've ever been as positive. Maybe Micah Parsons is the only time I was more positive. I'm not sure I've ever been as positive that a player was going to be an absolute superstar as I was with Travion Henderson, and I am just distraught that we have to watch him play against penn state for you know hopefully only three years
0: i'm now looking at uh travion henderson's uh 24 7 profile uh and the scouting report that he was given uh from he was given three scouting reports uh two compared him to christian mccaffrey And one compared him to Sonia Michelle. It is worth mentioning the Sonia Michelle one was written when he was when it was 2018, which I think would have been his halfway through his sophomore year of high school. So Sony Michelle, also very good in college, too. So Sony Michelle kicked ass in college. Uh you actually disrupted a transition that I had. uh, So I'm gonna I'm gonna rewind for a second. I'm gonna do that. Ohio State, don't throw the ball this week. Uh, And speaking of can't throw the ball, uh, Indiana uh, plays Western Kentucky at 8 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. They're going to Bowling Green, Kentucky for this one. Indiana nine-point favorites over under 62 and a half. Uh, All jokes aside, I hate watching this Indiana team. Like, they're just a shell of themselves after last year. They – God. I have a feeling that they win this game – in like very normal fashion like it ends up being you know 35 10 35 13 something like that something that makes you go okay something to build on and then next week penn state comes out and just torches them
1: yeah they took big loans out last year on emotion and grit and they're having to pay them back big time right now um but most importantly michael Penix is just broken like that
0: it's it's heartbreaking.
1: It's it's very clear at this point the injuries have piled up. He's not the same guy. Um, it's I, I saw somewhere you know coming into the season. There's really there's a lot of uncertainty about the Big Ten. The only thing that everyone seemed to be pretty certain about was that Michael Penix was the best quarterback in the conference. And now it's not that hard to make an argument that he's the worst. And it's really sad.
0: Yeah, I I'd agree with that. I mean they. They can't run the football, which is like for Indiana a gigantic issue. Uh their top two running backs are Stephen Carr averaging 3.7 yards per carry and Tim Baldwin averaging 2.9 yards per carry. They haven't been able to get the ball to Ty Fry Fogel and Peyton Hendershot. Their defense is just not what it was last season. Like it's stink like in all seriousness, it really stinks what is going on with this Indiana team. Uh they are.
1: I, I will say, though, you know, last week against Cincinnati, they were up 14 nothing. And I'm going to pull it up just to make sure I have it correct, because I know at one point uh, Cincinnati went down and scored its first touchdown of the game on a drive that got prolonged by the Micah McFadden, Micah McFadden targeting call. Um, I believe Cincinnati ran back a kick for a touchdown. I believe they had a did they have a a fumble recovery or a pick six for a touchdown. No, it doesn't look like it, but like there, there were some, you know, not flukes, but kind of game changing, kind of shoot yourself in the foot if you're Indiana type plays. Yeah. It's, they very easily could have won that game, I think, but. It, but, those but are it's the type cause of Cause like that,
0: those, those are the type all... of things
1: that don't go your way when you're playing a season like this.
0: And there were also all the things that went Indiana's way last year. So right. like. Uh, oh, you know God. i think so- the uh, I- Go the
1: highlights are playing on the screen behind me and i just they just showed one of pennix's interceptions just oh
0: yeah he i i've said it before but he looks like someone who has suffered three consecutive season ending injuries and just like his body has betrayed him there are hurdles that he doesn't know like he just can't get over mentally like it, it, it it's sad and his backup, like, hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire either. Uh, Jack Tuttle, so far, that we'll, we'll, we're we're getting some Indiana stuff out of the way before we talk about the next week. Uh, Jack Tuttle, two for six for ninety-one yards. Uh, so he's a big play threat, I guess we can call him that. But yeah, well, it's a uh, it's tough. We'll be talking about Indiana next week. Uh, Nick, any any final things to say before I. Uh, wrap this week up and I do one quick uh, programming note for the listeners of the pod nope go for it awesome so the programming note uh, we are going to do a very 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 pared down game recap pod next week and instead are going to be putting an emphasis on Looking back on the non-conference portion of Penn State's schedule, might ask for questions, do those sorts of things. But if you want a recap of the game that maybe goes into a little bit more detail, make sure you are following us on our Twitter. We're going to do a Twitter Spaces thing in which we're going to sit down, talk through the game, interact with you guys, and use that as our way to discuss what we expect is going to be a pretty comfortable Penn State win over Villanova. But all, be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for uh, and ask for questions for our podcast next week. And other than that, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Vines Radio. As always, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you subscribe to your podcast. If you use Apple Podcasts, head over there and leave us a five-star review. Make sure you're following us on all of our various social media channels, Nick in particular, has been doing some really great work over on our YouTube page. So subscribe to our YouTube to keep an eye on the things we have going over there. Make sure you're following us on Twitter too. Like I mentioned, we're going to be doing some stuff on Twitter after the game this week. And make sure you are reading and supporting insight. with the best way to do that, continuing to be purchasing shirts. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For Nick Pollock, I build a Philippo. Take care, everyone. Go state.